the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is our Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm Mike Calabrese. I'm joined by Mike Ionello. Already here in Week 11. Unbelievable. We're in the final stretch. The conference races are heating up across the G5. And we'll get things started with a G5 hero. It's a good thing to get the, the juices flowing, get some positivity. I can be your hero, baby. You can I'll start Byron Brown, quarterback for USF. USF football, I'm playing the flag. They're officially fun again. Shout out to Quinn Flowers, Matt Grothy. When they used to be able to sling the ball all over the yard or run or, you know, extend plays with their legs. I'm not asking for much from my G5 seller dwellers. I'm just asking that you play a fun brand of football. And they lost 59-50 to Memphis. His stat line, he was 31 for 38, 357 through the air, five touchdowns, 23 carries, 100 yards. I love that there's some fun football in Tampa again. It's not the Buccaneers. It's the Bulls. Byron Brown, tipping my hat to you. So I cheated, and I picked two because I sat down Monday night to watch an elite quarterback battle. No, I'm not talking about Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. I'm talking about Byron Brown versus Seth Hennigan because I spent my Monday night re-watching this game. So my G5 heroes of the week, I gave it to Byron Brown and Seth Hennigan. Because Hennigan had 350 yards and four touchdowns passing, and he added a touchdown running. What a game from these two. If you guys have some free time this week, go rewatch this game on ESPN+. Plus Because Brown was awesome, but Hennigan was just as good. They went shot for shot. So my G5 heroes of the week was Byron Brown and Seth Hennigan, because that was maybe the most fun game of the weekend. And I'm so glad I went and rewatched it, and I highly recommend it as well. Hennigan pulls away from center, keeps it himself on the fake, and it's a walk-in touchdown for the Memphis quarterback. On second and goal from the seven, Brown zips it. Corner, over-the-shoulder catch is made. Sean Atkins with the touchdown. Second and ten, Hennigan. Corner, touchdown! Brown fixed the pitch. Roll out. All alone. It's a touchdown. Mike, as you know, everybody loves shootouts. You know what else everybody loves? Compliments. And compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and how you're going to look 20 years from now. The results are incredible in very little time. Men's skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. Super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles, and signs of aging. Enough said. Caldera Lab Skincare. Join the 100,000 men who already trust Caldera Lab to show your best first impression this fall. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female-driven and has long been the wild, wild west for men. That's why they're making the solution simple with three easy steps. The Clean Slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. The Base Layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. 
and The Good, which is an eye serum that you can put on at night to help you and your skin look tighter and smoother, looking your best at all times. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. Use code BBOC at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with code BBOC at calderalab.com. Make unforgettable first impressions with Caldera Lab. All right, let's hop into our best bet segment. I know I stole your thunder a little bit with our G5 heroes, so let me allow you the honors of going first. Yeah, I'm going with UNLV. Uh, minus four and a half crept up a little bit. I still like it pretty much up to six. Uh, for me, this is a very similar handicap to when I took Boise State over Wyoming. UNLV's honestly played better than Boise State, so I like it even more. UNLV is a run-first attack. That's what they want to do. They average 200 yards per game on the ground. They have 28 rushing touchdowns, second most in the country. Only one less to USC, who's played an extra game than them. They rotate Vincent Davis, uh, Donovan Lester, and Jaden Thomas. All three are averaging over 40 yards per game. They are 11th in the country in rushing explosiveness. And while this is a run-first unit, freshman Jaden Maava, he looks better and better as a passer each week. Over his last four games, he's completing 71% of his passes, seven touchdowns, two picks over that stretch. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, Wyoming's defense just isn't good. Like, they're not the Wyoming we're used to seeing. They're 106th in success rate. Can't stop the run. Can't stop the pass. I'm most scared of this Cowboys running game. Harrison Whaley's back. But that, that's kind of what UNLV's run defense has been really good. So I think that kind of plays well for them. And we, we've talked about it a couple of times on this pod. We both cashed in on it. We've seen the voodoo of Laramie for, for years, especially this season. Wyoming is 6-0 and in Laredice. And they are 0-3 on the road. <laughs> so going to Vegas. This is also just a big game for the Mountain West. Fresno State and UNLV are tied 4-1 in conference play. And likely the second spot in the Mountain West title game will go to one of those two teams. Fresno has the tiebreaker. And you look at Fresno's schedule, San Jose State, New Mexico, San Diego State left. They'll be favored in all three. And we may talk about this week's game later. But UNLV has to have the mindset of Fresno's going to win out. We have to win out to have a shot. UNLV's 8-1 against the spread this year. They are the single most profitable team to bet on in the entire country. I looked it up in our Action Labs database. But my big question for you, how much regret do you think is going on that Bobby Petrino downgraded when he left UNLV after a week for Texas A&M. You could have been coaching at a winning program, Bobby boy. Boy, did he mess up. Yeah, I think the bag that he got uh, probably makes him feel a little bit better, but... There's a lot I of think, motorcycles in Vegas. A lot of motorcycles. His loss is Brendan Marion's game. Uh, I wrote up an article for Action, um, the top six or seven candidates to be the new OC in Iowa City. And I think Brennan Marion should be one of their very first calls. You need to get him and his go-go offense on a plane. I don't know if there's any direct flights from Sin City to Iowa City. Probably not. So maybe a connection or two, land in Chicago, rent a car. I think the planes go the other way there. Yeah, I I agree. Um, (laughs) But yeah, his offense is phenomenal. It's exactly what it was supposed to be. A nice balance of run and pass. He was supposed to have, you know, a, a great dual threat quarterback in Brumfield. And he ends up getting hurt. And he's, you know made lemonade out of lemons in this situation. So all credit to him. I think he's going to get a huge payday. If not, maybe a head coaching opportunity. I know he's still really young. He'd be one of the youngest uh, head coaches in FBS or FCS, but I don't think it would be outside of the realm possibility for an AD to take a swing on him because everywhere he's been, he's been impactful. 
He was a pit. He helped Jordan Addison win, you know, the Blitnikoff. He was at Texas. Like in terms of his resume and the elbows, you know, he's been rubbing elbows with a lot of great offensive minds at many different stops. So I think at this point, he's one of the rising stars in the coaching game. So I like that play a lot to get things started. I think you're going to like this one because I'm going to tease it here. This game features a quarterback that I am going to, from now on, refer to as the king of garbage time. I'm going North Texas plus 17 at SMU on Friday. If you want to talk about the Action Network Lab database, the Mean Green are 5-0 and against the spread in AAC play. And I'm referring to Chandler Rogers. In conference play, 18 total touchdowns against just two turnovers. The Mean Green are up to 21st in scoring, 9th in total offense, tied 10th nationally in plays of 20 yards or more from scrimmage. And the reason why I call him the king of garbage time, in the fourth quarter in AAC play, they're averaging over 14 points per game. That is incredible. If you would put that, you know, that, those numbers across the entire season, they'd be leading the country in fourth quarter scoring. They just fall behind and then catch up enough to cover. So I really like what they're doing up against an SMU team that's been playing great, but Preston Stone is in the concussion protocol. And I do not think that this line is adjusted. It's a short week. They're playing on Friday. Does Stone get out of the protocol on time? I'm not sure. And also a potential look-ahead spot for SMU. They, they're undefeated in AAC play. They have to keep pace to try to get to the title game. But they got a road trip to Memphis next week. And this North Texas team, they're going to beat them. So I think that's, that seeps into their mind a little bit. So I'll take the 17 here. I think this is way too many. I think they're going to lose by between you know 10 to 14 points and another big game for Chandler Rogers. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to pick against our boys, uh, but I definitely think the number's too high. I agree with you. And I also think this is one of those ones where with the Friday night game, we've seen so many times in college football, I feel like every time I've tried to guess and like hope a guy gets ruled in, he's ruled out. It seems like teams are so careful. It happened last year. I got screwed bet in South Alabama. Carter Bradley's out. It feels like teams are being more cautious with players, especially concussions. So this is one where as soon as you're listening to this, I'd grab the 17 plus with mm-hmm. North Texas because I think if Stone is ruled out, this probably crashes to what fourteen, you know, give or take. Yeah. So I don't. I agree with you. I'll be shocked if Stone plays. And seventeen is not unfathomable, even if Stone does play. So I would just take the chance and take the number while you get it. Like I said, I don't really love it just because I, I like SMU. I have SMU futures. I don't really want to bet against them, but I definitely think the number's too big. A reminder to our audience: BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get a fifteen hundred dollar paid back in bonus bet situation if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be twenty one or older. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. All right, we are tearing through this episode here. We're now on to the G5 High Five round robin. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! As you know, we're going to give out five picks, put them together into a a five-teamer parlay, put them into some round robins by twos, by threes, however you want to slice and dice these. Hoping to get back to our winning ways. I think we hit, what, two weeks ago with a clean sweep. I'm going to get started here with an over in the Sun Belt, Texas State against Coastal. This number, I had it pegged in my projections at 63, sitting at 58 and a half. And I think it's sitting at 58 and a half because of the quarterback question, will Grayson McCall come back from concussion or do we get dual threat Ethan Vasco, who I'm fine with because he just went for 180 passing, 170 rushing against an old Dominion team that is a lot feistier than we thought they were going to be. 
Coastal is going to be able to move the ball if it's Vasco or McCall in this game. Texas State, 125th in explosives allowed, especially bad on the ground. And then Coastal, you know, every year since their breakout season during COVID, have gotten a little worse on defense. They're 78th in defensive success rate. They gave up 38 to Georgia Southern. I think that's a comp to this Texas State team that just absolutely beat the doors off of Georgia Southern. The Bobs are ninth in offensive success rate. I love Finley. I love Madi. I love Joey Hobart. This offense, I think, can cook, can go for 40 on their own in a game like this because Texas State still has an opportunity to crash the party and play for the Sun Belt Championship if they win out and things break their way. So I think you're going to see a focused effort from G.J. Kenny and the boys. They just got to bowl eligibility. They were jumping in the river or lake or whatever, something. They threw awesome. the whole team, equipment awesome. managers, all their stuff. It was amazing. It was one of the coolest <laughs> scenes in college football. Um, you know, shout out to the Bedlam game. They got the publicity for the goalposts going in the lake. But I think in this case, Texas State yeah, and G5. I mean, the school, the school president went in the lake. Texas State. That's way yeah. cooler. <laughs> it, it's phenomenal. So I'm going over here 58 and a half. I'd play it up to 61. Uh, I have a question for you. You like the over here. Who do you think does the majority of the scoring? Texas State. Give me the bobs. Minus one. That's one of my picks. You mentioned it. Ninth in the country in passing success. 11th in rushing. Finley, Motti, both fantastic. Coastal defense taking step backs. They're below average across the board, especially against the run. And the offense does not run the ball like they used to. This is not the Jamie Chadwell offense. I hate Tim Back. I think Tim Back is a horrific play caller. I don't know why they hired him. He wasn't good at NC. NC State was thrilled he left, which is never a good sign. I don't think McCall plays. That said he's unlikely, so I'm not expecting him. Jarek Guest didn't play last week. He stinks. Vasco, you like him. I don't know. 17 for 31, 180 yards, pick, touchdown. Like, he's nothing for me. He's a redshirt freshman. And yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to play the over, but yeah, the Texas State defense isn't anything to write home about. But they're 18th at creating havoc. They're 33rd at preventing finishing drives. So I think they can force Vasco into turnovers if it comes down to it. And you think this game's high scoring? I think the Bobcats do the most of it. Lane one, I took them, they opened a one and a half point dog. It's still, you know, I would take this up to like three. So give me the bobs minus one. I'm going to go with the dog here for my next one. Navy plus three. Now yes. you may be wondering who's Why? Navy playing. Well, they're playing Trent Dilfer and the UAB oh, run no, defense, which is the worst in America. And now they're incredibly inexperienced staff. We talked about it in the summer. Seven of their 10 position coaches are coaching a position for the very first time are dealing with a week to prepare for the triple option or some variation of it. Navy's defense has been a huge surprise against the run. They're 26 in success rate. So I think it's going to come down to UAB maintaining drives, stringing things together. And here's the thing, watching them when things are going good this year. They've hit explosive plays as they did against FAU, but they let FAU erase a huge second half deficit because they went in the tank and they didn't have the kind of continuity and momentum that they wanted in the second half. They almost gave the game away. What is Navy going to specialize in? taking those rare stops, those rare opportunities where you get a turnover, you get a punt, you get a turnover on downs and turning it into a seven or eight minute drive going the other way. That's why I like Navy in this spot because when you look at what they've done against quality offenses, and I'm going to say it through gritted teeth, the Blazers are a quality offense here in the AAC. Hat tip to Trent Dilfer. Don't like it. I'm just going to face reality. But the other reality is Navy had held North Texas, who I just talked about you know, all of their accolades this year on that side of the ball, to 24 points. Memphis, who we mentioned at the top of the show, that just scored 59 in a game. Navy held them to 28 in a game that they were in it all four, four quarters. And there is a path for Navy to get to bowl eligibility to get to six wins. They got UAB, they got ECU, and they got Army. 
Those are three winnable games, two at home, the third one against Army in Foxborough at a neutral site. You're going to see a great effort at home from the mids here. I'm going to take him plus three. no real feeling you know my thoughts on service i mean they just got trucked by temple so i'm not i don't i don't know they could win this game by 30 or lose by 25 i really don't have any feel on service academies i hate that and um god bless you i mean i'm never going to argue with fading trent over so i hope you win uh since you picked a gross horrific terrible game you said at the top of the show you want fun right you just want fun i sure do who's Play fun who's playing who's playing fun right now give me south florida minus seven against temple Alex they're, giving a, they're giving a full t- touchdown to EJ Warner. I'm a little surprised by that. I thought you're going to go over for the fun. I could do that. I don't know. <laughs> <that either>. <laughs> <laughs> Quick audible. Look at the armbands. Omaha, See if we, Omaha, if we got Omaha, to the player. Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> uh, Alex Golish has his offense humming. Former Tennessee offensive coordinator, so no surprise there. Averaging 30 points per game. They've had over 35 for the last six. Our hero, our, our collective hero, Byron Brown. He looks awesome. 17 touchdowns, seven picks. He's got over 600 yards and eight touchdowns rushing. Naquan Wright has been their main running back. He's great. But Kelly Joyner returned last week. He's been injured for most of the year. So I think that he's a veteran. He's good there. This receiver room, Sean Atkins is kind of their leading receiver. He's the possession guy. Naeem Simmons is the big play threat deep. But this Michael Brown Stevens cat has come out of nowhere for them. He had six total receiving yards to the first four games. I don't know if he was like hurt. I didn't do enough research. I probably should have if he was hurt or what. He had six yards through four games. He has 253 yards in the last three games. So I don't know what happened to him week five or six, but he has exploded. He's been their leading receiver the last four weeks. Temple's defense is terrible. They're 101st in success rate, 130th at preventing finishing drives. Yeah, DJ Warner, they have a good passing attack, but South Florida's actually been decent against the pass. They're 47th in the nation in success rate against the pass. Cornerback Braxton Clark is awesome. He's terrific for the Bulls in the secondary. So I think South Florida scores, and I just don't think Temple will be able to keep up. Yeah, it's hard for me to talk you out of it with the Temple defense on the field. So yeah, I would I would play over, but if I were forced to pick a side, I'd probably with you on the Bulls. I'm totally on board with doing a G5 high six and doing a little two for one special with South Florida. 67 is a lot. South Florida temple over 67 and lay the seven with South the bulls. Just a reminder. Their last game was 109 points, (laughs) 40 more points than that. Like, Holy moly. All right. I'm going to wrap up the G5 high five here with a team. That's we're still pulling for. We're still rooting for you. Colorado state laying four against San Diego state. To borrow a phrase from Stuck, San Diego State, they're a corpse. They go bad. They're they're bad. They're dead. Colorado State, on the other hand, I just made this argument with Navy. They can make a bowl game by winning out. They get San Diego State, then they get Nevada at home, and a roadie at Hawaii to finish the season. It is possible to pull bowl eligibility out of the fire here. And they played three straight bowl teams. They played UNLV, they played Air Force, they played Wyoming. Walk-off loss to UNLV, which is a quality loss. Because UNLV is a, is a good team this year. They're probably going to win eight or nine games. They were tied with Air Force at half, 13-13, and kind of a snow game. It was a little bit weird, but kudos to their defense for playing better. And then a nine-point loss to Wyoming. The defense is slowly improving. And now they catch an SDSU offense that's truly awful. 132nd in offensive explosiveness. They can't pass. 
They're 128th in defensive success rate, though. That's the part about the Aztecs that is just like so out of character for them. And you can kill them on the ground. They're 132nd in that regard. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi is boom or bust. So I'm banking on boom here. I'm going to lay the four points. I'm going to avoid the money line. I think if they win this game, they win it by double digits. Or he turns the ball over three times and they find another way to lose another close game. But I think the Rams still have a shot to go bowling this year. It's got to start with a win on Saturday, obviously. I'm going to go ahead and lay the four. I'd probably play it up to five and a half, six. Yeah, I love it. I had it on my short list. Uh, Colorado State's biggest weakness is their secondary. And San Diego State has a safety playing quarterback, and he can't throw the ball at all. You mentioned it. This defense is terrible, especially in the secondary. So I think this Colorado State offense should shred them. I mean, San Diego State lost Nevada. So, yeah, I like this a lot. I almost played it, too. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. All right, a quick note. Our beloved BBOC caller Jason from El Paso, a.k.a. Minor Effing Nation, called into voicemails this weekend, and the intern missed it for the second time this season. Don't worry, that person's been fired. Our apologies to everyone there in Minor Nation. A great cover by UTEP. Let's, let's just play the footage. Take it away, Jason. Yeah, hey, guys. This is Minor mother effing nation and you know what this is not tyler from spartansburg because demo should be making 800k a year because we kick field goals with under a minute left to cover Covered. that's what we do Covered. so demo yeah it's worth every penny because guess what we loaded house in the miners covered let's go hey colin way to be a sharp and bet on us as well miners Boom! All right, we are back now to wrap up our show with the Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Here comes the money! Here we go! Money talks! Here comes the money! I'll kick it to you first. Who do you have? Is it a beloved member of the uh, Group of Five family? Speaking of voicemails, the, uh, the recap show got some good ones at the end here. So what else needs to be said? Hit the music. That's right. Diego, Diego. Look, Stocky can call New Mexico State a Ponzi scheme all he wants. But call me Bernie Madoff, baby. Because <laughs> you want to know who makes money in Ponzi schemes, Calabrese? The people who get in first. And we have been a Pavia podcast since week one. And we are swimming in cash like Scrooge McDuck. Because New Mexico State is 7-3 and three straight up. They're 8-2 and two against the spread this season. We bet them every week. So do the math there. They're the sixth most profitable team in the country against the spread. So this Ponzi scheme is working pretty well. Flim flam, Ponzi scheme, pyramid, straw man, bait and switch, smash and grab, tickle and take, jerk and jet, blow and go. Pavi is just, he's just a baller. He's a gamer. He's dominant with his arms and his legs. He's the perfect college quarterback. We're like, and I mean this in all sincerity and love. I'm not sure he's even good, but he just like makes plays every single time you need him to. I'm not sure how he does it but he just always finds a way to get a first down, keep drive going. He's just awesome. I love him so much. They have three good running backs, although I do need to send one quick note to Jerry Kill because I know he listens to the pod, friend of the show. Monty Watkins is averaging 11 and a half yards per carry. I said this like two weeks ago. Last week, he had 68 yards on five carries. How the hell does he only get five carries? Give him the ball every freaking play, Jerry. Give him the ball. Every play. First down, ball. Second down, 
you'll have another first down. So give him the ball again. It's mind boggling to me when I watch these games. But Western Kentucky's defense is horrific. They're 128th in the country at defending the run. Give the ball to Watkins. The Aggies are going to run down the throat. And this offense is broken. Austin Reed got his fancy red Corvette and just stopped trying. He had 102 yards last week against that UTEP team. They're 93rd in the country in success rate. That's like their calling card. And they're still explosive. But New Mexico State's terrific at preventing big plays. That's what they're really good at, especially on defense, especially through the air. So, folks, join me in the investment opportunity of a lifetime. Everybody listening, tell four friends to listen to the podcast and invest in New Mexico State. And if you're four friends, tell four more friends. The podcast will blow up and we will all continue to make money on Diego Diego. What a performance from you there on the Moneyline Underdog first first leg of it. Uh, yeah, I, I want to add on to that. When you talk about what makes Diego so powerful as a player, he's like, you remember that Super Bowl where Cam Newton fumbled and he's just like looking at the ball on the ground and he just like walked away. He was just like, whatever, I don't care. Diego is on the opposite end of the spectrum. He would bulldoze his grandma to get a fourth and three conversion. Like the guy... I mentioned it in August. He was an all-state wrestler. He could have gone to, I believe, Nebraska on a a wrestling scholarship. He just has that insane tenacity where it's like no matter what's happening on the play, it's never dead for him. He had a play earlier in the year where he got his, like, helmet ripped off and he keeps running around. That's the kind of energy you usually get out of, like, a weak side linebacker, but you get it in a quarterback in Diego. So, look, I'm not saying it, but many people are saying it. By many people, I mean one CBS Sports Network crew. Do you remember that game against UTEP? The broadcaster said that Diego has a little Johnny football in him. And I don't hate it at all. Little Diego football. Just a gamer. Makes plays. I love him. I'm going to continue to invest in this Ponzi scheme until it comes crashing down. Because sometimes Ponzi schemes just make money, Calibri. Sometimes they do. So it's a Ponzi scheme within a Ponzi scheme. So I think this is like the money line parlay where we're tooting our own horn about being right. You got New Mexico State. And I said it three weeks ago when San Jose State started one and five. I said they were going to win out. Why back off now? Because they've won three in a row. They got a great running game. They're 10th in rushing explosives. The defense that was horrible has at least rounded into shape against the pass. They're 40th in success rate. You can run on them all day. I know that. That's why they need to get a lead against Fresno to win this game. Because if they make Fresno throw the ball, I know what you think of Mikey Keene. He's fine. But I think there's an opportunity for him to turn the ball over two or three times and the Spartans to be on the right side of this. Also, Fresno on the road, Mountain West play. Not great. They lost outright to Wyoming. They won at Utah State by five. They played down to their competition on the road. And last week against Boise, this was my big call. The Fresno won a lot of the the luminaries of the Action Network were on the other side of this one, so I was nervous at kickoff, but there was no uh, Gene T for Boise. But Boise still outgained Fresno 488 to 441. And they won because they got an extra turnover in you know the turnover margin, and they had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yes, they returned a kickoff like 98 yards. Yeah, Sherrod you know, takes it to the house. If not, they don't win that game. And then what does this game look like in terms of you know spread? So I'm going to go ahead and take the home dog here. I like San Jose State. Uh, I think you can get, this is kind of an Ionello from last week. You can get like plus 105. Like we're really stretching what makes a Moneyline underdog play here. But I'm on them, you know, as I've said during this run, they're basically taking the ball out of Cordero's hands at the right time. They're not allowing him to turn the ball over, have too much on his plate. 
And I think he's responded incredibly well. He's playing efficiently. He's not turning the ball over. They've been really good on, you know, third and manageables, keeping, you know, keeping it going, keeping the drives going, everything ahead of the sticks. So, yeah, I like this. I love this one. Kyrie Robinson. I think I'm going to ride him one more time. And they're going to win out, and they're going to go bowling, and I think they're going to be one of the best stories going into bowl season, winning six in a row to finish their season. Yeah, I mentioned it uh, ahead, you know, People always look in the the look ahead or you know let down spots. They they look for the power five, you know Bedlam and you know Alabama coming off you know, LSU. It's like this this is a letdown spot. Fresno Boise is a big game. They've met in the conference championship game like four times in the last like six years. So I think and, and I mentioned it with UNLV is Fresno has the tiebreaker. They play New Mexico and San Diego State left. They're going to win those two games. So they they can kind of they have the tiebreaker with UNLV. So they can kind of afford to slip up here. I think they kind of. This isn't as much of a must-win game. Coming off the Boise win, I think this is a potential letdown spot as well. Uh, I actually was going to take this. This was my second choice behind Diego Diego. So I fully co-sign this. I will be betting it with you for sure. All right, that's it for us this week. A reminder on the programming fronts. As always, Colin Stuck on Thursdays dropping their full FBS card on Saturday. BBOC Live returns with Brett McMurphy now fully relaxed after his bedlam experience i feel like he's he had an opportunity to really explore the space lots of cool pictures of him on the field with the goalposts and everything else he's back so you're gonna get to hear him colin and stuck and darren revell universally loved darren revell on saturday and then the new bcs the following uh monday tuesday will drop with mcmurphy kalinowski stucky and colin so make sure to tune in for that. And we are going to have some special bowl coverage during bowl season. That's not that far away at this point. So keep keep an ear and an eye out for that. A reminder, everything you do in terms of reviews is incredibly helpful for us. We're looking for you to subscribe on YouTube, to comment, to put in those reviews on you know Spotify, on Apple iTunes, everywhere that you can, five stars only. Subscribe, unsubscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know how we do here at BBOC. Any closing thoughts for week 11, INLO? No, the, the two I had on my cutting room floor, you, you had, um, but I just, you mentioned it, bowl season. If by the grace of God, here's an early pick, if by the grace of God, James Madison makes a bowl, absolutely unload the bank account on the Dukes in their bowl game, because whoever they play is going to run into an angry, motivated buzzsaw. They put another formal request into the NCAA, which the NCAA is going to wipe their hiney with. But if they get that approved, it'd be amazing. They go to near six bowl game. They could be in the college football playoff rankings. That's my number one wish. Number two, how about a Liberty versus James Madison bowl game? Figure it out, bowl system. Like I would love to see a top 25 matchup between those two teams because lost in this James Madison love of which we have an unbridled amount of love for the Dukes. Liberty's getting hosed. Like, where are they in these rankings? Like, I, I get it that they're not playing anybody, but they're beating the doors off people. Their offense is incredible. Chadwell's already done this with Coastal, and you rewarded him when he was coaching up the shots. So, like, what is going on? I know that, like, Liberty is no fan favorite of anybody around the country in terms of their university, but, like, I feel like that is kind of a simplistic explanation for why they're getting hosed by the pollster so hard. I'll give you one. Give me... Give me James Madison money line against USC in whatever bowl they play. <laughs> that would be incredible. Like, just throw them in the Sun Bowl. Figure out a way yeah. for USC to quit and, you know. Yeah, J- JMU money line in the Holiday Bowl against the Trojans. 
All right, that's it for us. Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully we get you in the black and get you a little bit of money that you can throw it on, you know, these bowl hypotheticals we're throwing around. Final <laughs> reminder, as long as we're plugging stuff, Brett McMurphy's bowl projections come out every single week. Check those out so you can see where your favorite teams will be playing this holiday season. All right, have a good one. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.